I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast Week 16 Preview Edition, a.k.a. the Fantasy Football Final Show. So if you're listening to this, you are likely in the championship. So first and foremost, congratulations. Or maybe, you know, you've been eliminated and you just want to hear all the nonsense. Tune into our beautiful voices. So thank you for listening. Or maybe it's because you're in the semifinals right now. Your championship isn't until Week 17. And if that's the case... You need to change your league settings. I'm sorry. It's true. Awful decision by you. So as always, I am your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and I am here once again to break down all the news ahead of the weekend and most importantly, help you set your lineup. This time, though, I am joined by a gaggle of friends. And so, of course, we will start with the big boss at Nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham. So, Steve, it is a pleasure to have you on your own show today. Uh, First of all. Jack and the listening audience, happy Festivus to everybody. I know Neil's here. He'll appreciate that. Happy Festivus, Neil. It's a Festivus for the rest of us. Exactly. We are all excited about it. Uh, Yeah, but Jack, it's always been a dream of mine, of course, to be a guest on the show that I own, edit, produce, and host every single week. So uh, don't let your dreams just be dreams, America. They can obviously come true. And uh, it's, it's week 16. Like you said, it's championship week. Fantasy football, general rule of thumb, that would just mean, I don't know, you play to your strengths, you, uh, you're you starting your studs. Today on the show, I will also be sticking to my strengths. I will be playing the role of internet troll, where I have done literally no <laughs> prep work or research for this show at all. Nice. But I will be more than willing to completely disagree with everyone else's takes, despite having no data or evidence to back that up. So you're well, all welcome. Congratulations. I'm not looking forward to that at all. Well, that's your fault. You weren't introduced. Back to the shadows. And with it being Festivus, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of grievances to so be aired. So, so many. many. So, of course, we are also joined by the other big boss. And with the double the boss on the show, we've got to be on our best behavior tonight. So, Jason, stay in the back while we before we call you. Anyways, please give a warm welcome to at nonsense underscore Neil, Neil Smith. Thank you, Jack. Thank you. Thank you to the listening audience. It has also been a dream of mine since I was a small boy uh, to be a guest on a show. A that lad, I, if you will. A wee lad uh, to be a guest on a show that I currently host. I'm more interested uh, as part of the festival celebration in the feats of strength. Um, I think that's going to be good this year. And if you're listening to this, congratulations to you, because in all likelihood, that means you are in a championship game and you came to us <laughs> for what we teased last week, the super show to help you get your lineup set. So we got the whole band together here. I can't wait to actually dive into some of these players. Um, I will also be playing the role of internet troll. Uh, I at least have done some prep work and uh, and have some t- takes for this, unlike my counterpart. But uh, this is going to be fun. Let's hope this doesn't just devolve into chaos with all of us shouting at each other. But uh, Jack, I tell you what, let's get everybody. Is that uh, not fun? Up here. Is that not fun? Is us not devolving into chaos and yelling not fun? I think it's a blast. 
So of course it is a Wednesday. So we've got me, we've got Steve, we've got Neil, but of course it's not an ordinary week. Jason already spoiled that. Unfortunately, part of it's due to it's the fantasy football championship. Part of it's due to Christmas falling on a Friday. So Jason, why don't you introduce yourself for officially this time? Please welcome at death FF nerd, Jason Draven coming in hot on a Wednesday. I am the greatest. If you're here, it's because of me. You're welcome. Ha <laughs> ha. But yeah, I'm excited wow. for it. <laughs> no, I've wow. been. I've been. Right, so I'm gonna start disagreeing with things early in this show. Let's uh, <laughs> let's go to the data points. <laughs> we'll get to that. Just you have plenty of time to roast me. We'll have all show. But as always, been on FLA trying to ruin everybody else's chances, make yours even better. We'll see. And. I'm just excited because we have this is going to be the first year that we've had football on every single day of the week as long as the Friday game happens and I am pumped for it. I am pumped as well and I'm also pumped because we are officially bringing you Friday on a Wednesday. We cannot forget the man, the myth, the best McDonald there is at Donald McJordan. It's Jordan McDonald. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing well, Jack. Does anybody want to disagree with the uh, the best McDonald thing? I don't know. I'm a big McRib guy, so <laughs> this is uh, this is tough for me. I, I will uh, say at least in the top two. Yeah, I'm not going to push back too much. I'm terrified of clowns, so I think uh, I think you're safe. But McDonald's oh. does have this spicy chicken nuggets now, and those are pretty good. No, they were only temporary. They're gone. I know. I had them. They were so yummy. Such a letdown. Well, at least you guys got those. We didn't get those in Canada. Anyways, you know, in the spirit of Festivus. What? Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, right here. Oh, right, right here. Right your barrister. Oh, man, that's. Uh... <laughs> uh, well, let, let's say that's the one thing we've got over you. Congratulations. You've got you've got health care, better money system. But hey, we've got spicy nuggets at McDonald's every what century, something like that. It was a small victories, but anyways, in the fest, in the spirit of Festivus, I feel like it's a great time to air our grievances. I will be playing the role of Ghost of Friend uh, Fantasy Football Past because all of my teams are in the past because of the moves I made in the past. So here I am helping you guys with your future. I like it. Poor guy. I am so sorry to hear that, Jordan. But anyways, you can find all the fantabulous content, all of these fantastic humans, and all the other brilliant minds are creating on the daily over at importantnonsense.com, as well as Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at NonsenseFF. But enough about us. It's time to get down to the nitty-gritty of Week 16 and the Fantasy Football Championship. So usually we go position by position, break things down, but there is just so much happening with the Washington football team. We're going to tackle it all together. So for starters, Dwayne Haskins in the doghouse, he was some compromising photos leaked of the QB massless in an establishment of the flesh. So however, Alex Smith still dealing with the calf injury that kept him out of week 15. He isn't practicing yet. So Haskins has to take the starter reps, even though they don't like him right now. And so Wednesday's practice, he's a starter. Instead, he's being stripped of his captaincy. Didn't realize he was still a captain. <laughs> Apparently he is. Who, who knew that? He's still a captain. Fine 40K, but it's unclear who the starter will be Sunday. And it gets even more complicated for us in fantasy because Terry McLaurin didn't participate in practice Wednesday with the ankle. That's happened a lot this year, but so we don't know. Maybe he misses, maybe he comes back. 
but we've also got Antonio Gibson now coming back to practice on a limited basis, coming off the turf toe. So it looks like he's going to be back in action for week 16. So with all this information, with Alex Smith banged up, with Haskins in trouble and bad, with Terry McLaurin banged up, and with Gibson maybe returning, also the Logan Thomas breakout, who can we trust to start in the fantasy finals? And we'll start with Steve. Can we trust anyone on the team? Uh, yeah, I think this is a Terry McLaurin rest day, so I'm fine with that. He's been playing through this ankle injury a couple of weeks. Not worried about that. Also, we had Logan Thomas on our League Winners show a couple weeks back, uh, so I'm definitely still good with Logan Thomas, no matter who the quarterback is. And then Antonio Gibson. If he's healthy, as I have him currently ranked, I have Antonio Gibson at running back 15, I think, 13 against Carolina. So he's he goes right back to where he was basically before the injury. So I'm good with literally all of them, no matter who the quarterback is. I just feel more confident in it if it's Alex Smith. Is there any dissension in the group whatsoever? Are we all gung-ho on the Washington football team? I mean, I'm not willing to uh, deal with Gibson at this point. But more importantly... It's the best one! Nope. And still McKissick for me because you know what? He is RB22 on the year. Stop it. Yeah. You heard that right. RB22. Oh, yeah. I You all know that I love Logan Thomas, so we might as well just stick with that. Tied in five on the year, tied in nine in points per game. Everybody loves Logan Thomas. I mean, yeah, we had him on the league winner show a couple weeks back. Uh, Logan Thomas is, given the state of tight end, which I'm sure we'll reference many times on this show, Logan Thomas at this point is more or less a set it and forget it type of thing, even with Haskins. Uh, taking the snaps. It just hasn't proven to matter yet. He's had nothing but bad quarterback play and just continues to put up numbers. I agree with Steve. I think Terry McLaurin's just getting a rest day, so you can feel free to fire that up unless something more serious comes about. Um, feel okay about that. Uh, and I agree with Jack. Jason, what are you doing? Like, J.D. McKissick is the one that I'm most concerned about if Antonio Gibson was to play. They're not going to bring him back yeah. and go through all these steps to have Gibson out there and taking away meaningful McKissick touches if they don't feel confident that he could play. So McKissick's the one who was the biggest drop in my rankings. I've got Gibson at 20 now, and I had to knock McKissick down into like top of flex territory because I think that's how it spells out. Why are you? Why would they even well, waste their before time? Before he goes into that, I have McKissick right now at 24, so I'm high on both of them. High on both of them, okay. Um, yes, if... Gibson doesn't play. McKissick goes right basically where Gibson is. High-end RB2. Yeah, we agree on that. We agree. And then uh, the last three games that Gibson played and was healthy, he was top 10 all three of those games. J.D. McKissick in PPR scoring was 12, 27, and 51. So he was still usable, but except for the one game against Dallas, but still pretty usable in those weeks that Gibson was around, just not as high. Yeah, I got him like 27. I think it's safe that we can say go Gibson, not McKissick, but we're going to stick in the NFC East. Daniel Jones is back at practice taking first team reps. Joe Judge won't guarantee that he's a starter on Sunday. Still says he has a hitch in his giddy up, so we'll see about that. But Judge did confirm that Danny Dimes is going to be the starting quarterback for the New York football giants in 2020. 
2021. And it looks like the starting quarterback of the Vegas Raiders will be Derek Carr this week. So Carr was limited Tuesday's practice, was able to give it a full go on Wednesday. So at this point, would be a surprise if he does end up missing. Apologies to both of the Marcus Mariota truthers in the audience. And so you may remember John Gruden said it wasn't a real groin tear. Hope to have Carr back this week. But Ian Rappaport tweeted it's likely a two-week injury. Just more proof that Rappaport is wrong and Schefter is better. But the question for you guys is this. We'll start with Neil. Groin injury or not, Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota, can we trust the Vegas QB against the dominant Dolphins defense? And if the answer is no, does that mean we have to sit everyone except for Darren Waller? Uh, no, I don't think you can trust it in a word because you're going to have Carr out there in all likelihood coming off of, we'll call it a groin strain. Uh, if that's what John Gruden wants, how he wants to discuss it, that's fine, whatever. Either way, you're going to have limited mobility Derek Carr as your starter. Who knows if he gives way to Marcus Mariota? I agree with Steve. Ew, I probably would have just started Mariota this week anyway, who actually looked healthy in that last game. But what do I know? I'm not an NFL coach. The other, the other side of that is, to the second point of your question, obviously you're playing Darren Waller, but I think who are you going to start anyway besides Josh Jacobs? And I don't think whoever the quarterback is impacts that. I think you're probably going to end up rolling Josh Jacobs if you've made it this far with him due to lack of any, any better options, even though it's kind of been up and down. And then the other side of that is Ruggs is still on the COVID list. Uh, like Hunter, Hunter Renfro is yeah hugely questionable. So you're really talking about Nelson Aguilar who I've got like wide, who've got right around wide receiver 40, 39, something like that in my rankings. Like it's, so, yeah, you probably would sit Aguilar and you'd probably continue on with Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller. Yeah, the only thing I really have with Josh Jacobs is that he's so game script dependent that I'm struggling to trust him. This oh, I just want to say I, another thing that worries me about Josh Jacobs is that over the past four weeks, the Miami Dolphins defense is best against the running backs. So that as, as well, like that's not going to help you very much. And if Mariota, like Mariota looked pretty good against the the Chargers, but he did make a, a few bad throws. So if we get bad Mariota, then Mi Jacobs is going to be even worse than he already is going into this game. So there is a lot of risk about it going into this game. That's all fine, but what's your better option on your team? No, and no, I agree with that. Like, I, I totally agree. Like if you have Jacobs, you're right. If you've been playing with Jacobs and you have him into the finals, you're probably starting him, but you're not going to get the output you want in the finals. Yeah, temper expectations for sure. I concede all of those points you made. I'm just telling you, it's like real life construction. What's your better choice than what you had to invest to get Josh Jacobs? And Steve, what do you think? Start your studs with Josh Jacobs or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be it. That would be a don't get cute situation. He's going to give you RB2 numbers where he may be your RB1, but it is what it is. You're not sitting him. That's for sure. I'll try not to get cute, Steve. No promises, though. It is a struggle on the daily to not be too cute. But we're going to stick in the Bay Area. Actually, sorry, they're not in the Bay anymore. That was Oakland. Nick Mullins set to undergo elbow surgery. It's feared he will be receiving a visit from Uncle Tommy John, who we all know ruined Big Ben's arm this offseason. And so the 49ers practice have signed to, uh, signed to the active roster from the Buccaneers practice squad, Josh Rosen. And so the 49ers are going to start C.J. Beathard in Week 16. Josh Rosen is going to have the chance to start in Week 17. Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy Garoppolo activated from the IR will not play again this year. It's only so he can get on the field and kind of rehab that. But we're going to see the return of Josh Rosen. You absolutely love to see it. And so we're going to move on to running backs. Do you, do you? love? I do love it. I Neil, I would suggest that we had like a nine mistakes drop, but we would never use it. 
since he's just never mentioned or relevant in any way, <laughs> yep. shape, or form. It'd be collecting I mean, dust. Otherwise, yeah, it'd be great. That drop would just be for our enjoyment. It, it, it would. What I've also learned is most people, normal people, not us, don't even remember nine mistakes. They don't because why Sad. would you? Because it's not well. Because it's not relevant. It it, it for, goes with him. Poor Josh Rosen. Poor guy. Anyways, we are going to move on to running backs. Ezekiel Elliott is limited in practice Wednesday. He's still dealing with a calf injury that kept him out last week. And so while he was out last week, Tony Pollard went off scored 31 fantasy points something zeke hasn't done since 2018 so i assume if zeke is out tony pollard absolute must start but if zeke is playing what are we gonna do like jordan you have the floor can we start tony pollard can we start zeke what the heck yeah if zeke is sitting you absolutely have to play pollard especially what we saw last week but if you're somebody in the finals with zeke you probably made it there in spite of him but I think you you might be able to get away with him. It's kind of like the Josh Jacob things. You might be able to put him in and get RB2 numbers, but anything more than that is probably, you're probably asking too much. But let's just acknowledge that Zeke has had a horrible season, especially for somebody you drafted in the first round. I mean, he only had 100 yards rushing once, and his yards per carry is is slowly declining. Like He's under four this year, and he's not getting much targets in the passing game. It, there's not a lot to like here. So, I mean... RB2 flex, maybe get away with that. But, I mean, don't ask for too too much more. Yeah, I was already fitting him last week. Last week. I mean, you saw that easily. So, I I have no faith in Zeke at all. And Pollard, as I said all year, I think is a better runner. So, I'm just surprised they aren't using him more. Yeah, Neil and I talked about this offline uh, yesterday. The fact that when you look at Zeke's actual game-by-game -game numbers, because I've seen a lot of people compare this to he got covid so now he's just bad since he got COVID. No, no, it's Dak. Like if you if you actually break it down, he scored at least 18 points in every game with Dak playing at the beginning of the season. Since then, his high point is 19 against Minnesota, and he's averaging about 11 points a game in that stretch. So every every defense has just been honing in on Zeke isn't going to beat us. Make whoever the quarterback is and beat us and that's just not possible for this cowboys offense right now so zeke has been dealing with the calf injury i feel like even when he plays this week because he will play this week he's not going to get all the snaps i in my rankings have tony pollard at 19 and zeke at 31 assuming zeke plays i think pollard oh, gets a lot of the pass I catching love it. i think he ends up getting a lot of the the rushing down work as well that zeke is kind of out there mainly as a decoy against philly uh that's funny. I also have pretty similar numbers for my rankings. That's how I see that going. And if Zeke was to get ruled out, I would actually be flirting with the idea of what do you think, Steve, with the idea? I, of I had Zeke Pollard at seven, assuming, yeah, that, okay. assuming that Zeke wasn't playing. But when it came out today that he was practicing and expected to play, I had made that the adjustment. adjustment. Yeah, because yeah. prior to that, I had him at, I had him at, I want to say at eight uh, for Tony Pollard. And I was like, yeah, that's just what it's going to be. It's they don't have much else in the way of offense. And especially with Michael Gallup now dealing with a hip injury who Andy Dalton inexplicably loves to target. Uh, I think Tony Pollard is the one you actually want for the Cowboys in your championship over Zeke. He hasn't done enough to earn the, the normal start your studs. That's the Let's weird thing go. about it. I absolutely yep. love this. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, that's somebody you could probably play over Josh Jacobs either way, in my opinion. 
this is not where I expected the conversation to go, but I'm so happy that it went here. I'm glad we are all aboard the Tony Pollard train. Unfortunately, we do have to move on. So James Robinson is going to rest all week at practice, according to Doug Marone. He's battling through a knee injury the past couple of weeks. Robinson has told his coach he wants to play. Hopefully he does. He has an extra little bit of extra motivation, snubbed for the Pro Bowl. But apparently the Jaguars are also splitting the reps at quarterback. We have no idea who's going to start. I think the answer should be me, Jack Cavanaugh, because I promise Jacksonville, I'm not going to win you an NFL game. I guarantee you will get Trevor Lawrence if you start me. Win for everyone involved. But we did have a question about the Jaguars from Important Nonsense's own Matt Mercier. About, and so he wants to know. It's a two-parter. And we'll kick it to Steve because he had the best answer in the chat. If George Kittle is active, are you playing him over DJ Chark? And if Kittle is inactive, do you play Logan Thomas over DJ Chark? Uh, first of all, shout out to DJ Chark. Do, 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 do. We, we love DJ Chark on this show. Well documented. Hashtag free DJ Chark. DJ Chark, a young man's Allen Robinson. He will, he will be the next Jaguars great wide receiver to leave that franchise and find another terrible quarterback to let him middle around in wide receiver two territory his entire career. But uh, no, in a 12-team PPR league, I cut DJ Chark this week because that's that's where it has come to, that I don't trust him or any quarterback throwing to him because it's just all bad at this point. So yeah, I would start literally anybody at this point over DJ Chark. How the mighty have fallen. So sad. So we're going to move on. Christian McCaffrey has missed practice again with his thigh and shoulder injuries. Listed as doubtful for week 16. Can't expect him to play. Joe Mixon will also not play with his foot injury. This is his sixth week in a row not playing. And I have a spoiler for you. He's not playing next week either. Thanks, Zach Taylor, for just stringing us along all year. You're a jerk. Anyways, the 49ers have placed Raheem Mostert on IR with another high ankle sprain. We've already said that CJ Beathard is the QB. Kittle may be back. So Jason, how do those things factor into our trust of Jeff Wilson this week? Yeah, I mean, if Kittle plays, he's going to be great as a blocker, but I'm really worried about him actually being a usable piece, and I wouldn't play him just because the injury is still there, and I wasn't expecting him to play at all this year, and at least until playoffs if they made it there. But I mean, you kind of have to go with Wilson, unfortunately, just because of the fact that I'm nervous about his injury issue right now. And if he gets over that, he is clearly the starter, unfortunately. It's more Shanahanigans. Who knows what's going to happen? All of a sudden, it's going to be a four-touchdown game from Tevin Coleman. Another confusing backfield. Bruce Arians has confirmed that Ronald Jones is expected to miss week 16 against the Lions due to finger surgery and COVID-19. This likely means that Uncle Len, Leonard Fournette, is the starter once again against a defense that has no coaches. So the Lions head coach Daryl Bevel and the entire defensive coaching staff are in quarantine due to a close contact. The important nonsense offseason projection squad was all about it in the offseason. Neil, is Leonard Fournette actually going to end up as a league winner? I think he very well could. I've got him ranked as an RB2 for this week, coming off a two-touchdown game last week, and it's just there's nobody else at this point, and they need somebody to to run the ball in the fourth quarter when when Detroit is already bruised and battered and out of the game. Uh, that's that's what I'm expecting to see here. I'm expecting a uh, like a mid-20s to even upper-20s type of performance for, uh, for Leonard Fournette. So you can actually set him as an RB2 this week and feel good about it for your championship. So last week... Atlanta 
is a bottom eight matchup. They're actually a terrible running back matchup because teams just abuse them through the air so much that they they haven't given up a lot of points on the season to running backs. And he put up only 49 rush yards on 14 carries, which again, you would expect against a good rush defense. But the two touchdowns put him at 22 points, RB12. He's going up against Detroit this week in a game that they should be in have in hand most of the time, positive game script to a defense that has given up the most fantasy points to running backs this season. I've got Leonard Fournette at my RB12. He's in RB1 territory for me this week. Boom. Wow. All righty. We'll go off on that. And so obviously never in our lives were we going to play the Lions defense. I don't, but I don't know how you could play a defense on any team that has zero coaches. Just a strange situation to be in. So, Jason, for those of us who are struggling and need help in their DST slot, who are you turning to? Oh, it's pretty easy. I told you about it three weeks ago. It's still the Cardinals, 12th best defense on the year. And over the past three weeks, they are the sixth best defense. Hope you picked them up when I said to on the YouTube waiver show. And then the other one is the Eagles. I mean, last time they played the Cowboys, they scored 21 fantasy points. And over the past three weeks, they're the 11th best defense. All right, and we will head into an ad break and a word from our sponsors on that note from Jason. And we are back with the wide receivers. And so Stephon Diggs is set to practice Wednesday after he suffered a foot injury late in the Broncos game. And thank goodness, I was terrified. That did me so much concern. Diggs is just so good. And if we didn't have him this week, I don't know what we would do. And the same goes for Tyree Kill. Missed some practice time in practice with the tight hamstring. Has become a thing for him recently, but it's not a worry for fantasy. What is a worry, though, is Julio Jones. He still isn't practicing thanks to the hamstring. And now, before week 15, I had a friend ask me, if Julio is active, should I sit him because there's a chance he goes down again? And so my friend didn't have to make that decision, of course, because Julio was kept out. But this week, I am asking you, Steve. With Julio looking less like a stud that we must start, if he's active, can we trust him as a top 24 receiver, top 36 receiver? Where do you have him? Uh, I would have him in high-end, probably wide receiver two range. I would still be starting Julio Jones. At this point, there's nothing for Atlanta to play for, and this is a little bit of foreshadowing because we'll get into this later with trust or bust. But yeah, Julio Jones, they have no reason to play him for the rest of this season. So if they do actually put him out there, it's because he's healthy enough to be playing. So I have no problem playing him if he's active. Is there anyone at all that will sit Julio Jones? Speak now or forever hold your peace. And that sounds like silence. All right, we're going to move on to Keenan Allen, who is not practicing Tuesday or Wednesday with the hamstring injury. Neither is Debo Samuel, also out with a hamstring injury. We do expect Debo to miss the fantasy football championship. We've already been told that by Kyle Shanahan. We're still unsure, though, about Keenan Allen. The reality is, if you played Keenan Allen last week, he probably got you eliminated, unfortunately. So, Jordan, if you're somehow, maybe you played Keenan Allen, maybe you sat him. If you have to make the decision on Allen this week, what are you doing? Can you feel comfortable playing him at all? Well, full disclosure, I'm one of those people who thought it'd be a great idea to play Keenan Allen. And I am so sorry, my friend. Well, let me just say it wouldn't have mattered in the end, but it still hurt. Jason, what did he say to the camera again? What did he tell everybody? Don't sit me. And that was it. And that kind of helped me. I was actually watching the game with a, a Chargers fan, and he was telling me, oh, you got to start him. And I was swearing out on the entire game. Anyways, to be honest your question, I feel like you have to. Like, it's, 
he's been so good for you all season. And like heading into that game, the signs were there. It was saying that he was going to be limited. It wasn't a surprise that he was pretty much a dud in that game. It just, you know, he's like, I'm saying he was helping you all throughout the year. And he just happened to have this one game where he did just didn't show up. And they relied on guys named Kylan. Jo- oh, sorry. I said his name wrong. Jalen Guyton and Teron Johnson. But I, I think against the Broncos, he the Broncos just got torched by Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. So there is a chance that if he comes back and he's healthier, then he'll ball out and he'll help you uh, claim that championship. But, you know, most likely, yeah, if you did play Keenan Allen last week, you're probably not in the championship this week. Yeah, definitely a jerk move. I was not happy with him, if you can't tell. But I completely agree. I mean, if he has, I, I'm going to say he has to have a full practice. And if the coaches say he's going to be limited, I am going to sit him because he lies and I'm so mad at him. But still a great player. Just for next year. Play great player for next year. So with Philadelphia, Jalen Rager is practicing. He left week 15 early with an ankle injury, had a career high five catches, and he looks like the perfect candidate for our guy at the real NWB, New Wallace's Bruce Theory, that you shouldn't draft wide receivers in Dynasty. Instead, you should be trading for guys like Rager who are studs that come off a bad season. Finally, with the receivers, though, Kenny Galladay, of course he's out. Did you think he was going to play this week? No, of course he's not. He wants out of Detroit. He is out this week. And moving on to tight end, Kyle Rudolph is still sidelined with a foot injury. This will be his third straight missed game. Spoiler alert, neither Irv Smith nor Tyler Conklin are one of Jason's trusts this week. So Irv had four receptions, 63 yards, and a touchdown in week 14. Conklin went 357 and one touchdown in week 15. So I'm just wondering, is there a specific reason for that, Jason, that you don't have them? You shockingly have a knack for calling the Vikings tight ends. Yeah, I mean, of the two, I guess I'd go Tyler Conklin because he seems to be getting more opportunities. But I just, uh, I'm so nervous for them this week. Granted, I do think the game goes pretty well. We'll see how that ends up. It's just one of those issues that I, I'm struggling to trust either of them. I think that's a wise decision. Imagine losing your matchup because of a Vikings tight end. However, there is a chance that George Kittle returns on Saturday. This is going to be a decision by Kittle and his doctors. Shanahan says if he's good, he's playing. As we've already discussed, if Kittle is playing, you're playing him. I don't care if they've got C.J. Beathard, Blaine Gabbert, whoever back there. I am starting Kittle, and I am starting Brandon Ayuk no matter what. Eric Ebron did not suffer organ damage and is likely to play against the Indianapolis Colts. What a headline. 2020 at its finest. Yeah, and so much for that Eric Ebron revenge game. I just want to say something. That poor Deontay Johnson got crucified for dropping all these passes, even though Eric Ebron's been doing it all season. He was doing it before it was even popular. Well, it's career. Like I I saw a tweet from Andrew Siciliano, and he said that he knew somebody who was a Lions fan, and he he called Eric Ebron dropped Miss Prime, and I've been calling him that ever since because I think that's a brilliant nickname. Oh, I love that. And it is so accurate. And so we'll close out the news with kickers. Brandon McManus is back for the Denver Broncos coming off of COVID IR. The Taylor Russellino XFL experiment is over. So Jason, if we couldn't get McManus off of waivers, or if we're still unsure of who to start at kicker this weekend, where should we be looking to with our seasons on the line? Yeah. And like I kind of, said before picking kickers for the two games that I really think are going to be shootouts. So I'm going to go with Steven Guskowski versus green Bay Tannehill, the thrill versus old man Rogers. I think that they are going to score a lot of points. The other one is, I guess probably more surprising in Dan Bailey 
in a shootout games between the Viking and the Saints, where you know Cook's going to end up being a monster like always, and then Cousins has actually done really well against man coverage, so I think that's going to work out for him. So we've got our defenses set, we've got our kickers set, and with that, we'll kick it to a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. In Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that'll accumulate the most of whatever stat type you've chosen to play, like touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of the three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds the chosen goal, then you win. And the higher the target goal that you choose, the more you can win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee, or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry. I mean, obviously you go big or you go home. Obviously. Then there's rapid fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Michael Thomas or Julio Jones? Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But again, more risk, the higher the reward. Sure, I mean, I only need to get two out of three matchups right to win one and a half times my entry. But if I can get five out of five, I'm looking at that 15 times payout again. You can buy me a lot of Jonu Smith jerseys with that money, Neil. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be giving two to six players and their statistic targets for the game, like Cam Newton with 233 and a half passing yards against Miami. You have to decide if that player will get more or less than that target. But just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return as well. So you can go two for two to get that basic one and a half times payout if that's what you want to play. But if you've got the nerve you can attempt to go six for six and hit the 30 times payout. So many John New jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. Oh, do love the free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE. That's promo code NONSENSE. And Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. So go to Monkey Knife Fight and use promo code NONSENSE, N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E, and get in on the action this weekend. And we are back with the most important segment of each and every week, especially so right now because we are in such a crucial time. It's the Fantasy Football Championship, and so we are going to be doing Trust or Bust. And before I hand things over to Jason with our Trust and Bust, just a reminder, we will be starting with quarterbacks. Our trust are the quarterbacks who are currently ranked outside the top 12 of the Fantasy Pros Expert Consensus Ranking, rostered in under 50% of leagues. Our busts, on the other hand, those are the quarterbacks that are ranked inside the top 12 for the ECR that we believe will miss expectations and could cost you your championship. And so with that, it's time for Trust or Bust with the Nerd. All right, we're starting off pretty hot here. We're going with the guy who came back last week and somehow ended up doing pretty well in Drew Brees. 
First game back from injury, he was able to put up 20.3 fantasy points. After starting 0 for 5, yeah, that was brutal. While over the past four weeks, the Vikings are giving up only 18.1 fantasy points to the quarterback position, I think Breeze shook off the rust last week and is ready to come out firing this week. Last week, Trubisky could have easily been a top 12 quarterback, but handed the ball to David Montgomery instead of throwing for the TDs that he clearly stole. Pretty frustrating because I had him as a trust last week, and I'm so frustrated on that. The QBs are averaging 243 yards and a touchdown against his Vikings D. I see the Breeze throwing for more to try and catch back up to the Brady in touchdown passes. Yeah, I have no problem with this. I think that Breeze played well enough against the Chiefs where I could warrant a, a start in the championship against the Vikings, even though the Vikings have been pretty good against the quarterback as of late. But I have to see. I don't know what, what Michael Thomas's status is. I, I guess he's out. He's been out on IR, so that definitely hurts. But Sanders looked good. Sanders has gone back to his, um, you know, being the deep route guy. That can certainly help. And then you have Kamara as a safety option, which is always a, a, a bonus. So not not the worst option, but it is risky because Breeze is still dealing with rib injuries. Yeah, and the next guy is Baker Mayfield. Over the past four weeks, he is averaging 24 fantasy points behind Josh Allen and Ryan Tannehill. Like, pretty awesome. He's averaging 308 yards, two and a half touchdowns. And with the Jets showing that they're actually okay at stopping the run, I think this does affect two RBs, potentially keeping them both under 100 yards. Granted, I do think they both get touchdowns, but still, forcing Mayfield to throw touchdowns, I'm guessing around 240 yards and two touchdowns for Baker Mayfield this week. Oh, if the man is going to go down, he's going down swinging. Jason, you're taking Baker Mayfield as your ride or die. Cleveland's going to love you for it. I just want to say, too, it's hilarious that pretty much the entire year, Jason's been telling you not to play your quarterbacks against the Jets, and then he goes to Baker Mayfield. It's he's not wrong, but I just thought found that funny. <laughs> That's good. And actually, I'm with him. I, I 100% agree. My my trust this week is also Baker Mayfield. He's ECR 13. I've got him at QB 10, so it's not huge, but he's the only one outside of the top 12 currently that I, I trust to actually finish inside the top 10. Wow, you and Jason agreeing, Steve? I, I know. I, it's I a festivist it. miracle. Hate, I hate it as much as you do, but don't worry. We'll get to the disagreement. It's fine. It's a festivist miracle. All right, take us away with bus, Jason. Yeah, and the first one's, again, Russell Wilson. He really seems to have fallen off a cliff the past four weeks. He's quarterback 16, and in the last matchup against the Rams, he was held to 248 yards and two interceptions. The only TD came from running back Alex Collins. Since then, his best game was a super efficient week against the Jets, where he threw 208 yards and four touchdowns. Oh, yeah, he was my bust that week, too, and I'm super frustrated about it. So you should probably play him. But his bet's best yardage game was in a loss to the Giants where he put up 263 yards, had one touchdown and one interception, and I'm just not willing to trust him in my championship game at this point. The Rams give up only 15 fancy points to quarterbacks over the past four weeks. Old. You sit in Russell Wilson when it matters. Really? Bold, Jason. Baker Mayfield or Russell Wilson? Baker Mayfield. That that's easy. I, I I just said that. Wow. Wow. All right. Let's see. Let's let's go go on. Go off, King. All right. The other one is Tom Brady. This could be interesting. Brady had his best game in the past month this last week against the Falcons. Brady was able to mount a comeback in the third and fourth quarter. Wow, it was ugly. I think this week the team cruises like I expected him to last week. Really frustrating. And Brady hands the ball over. To the running back. Oh, wait, that's Leonard Fournette. Makes a lot of sense. Doesn't have to throw a lot, even though his matchup is great. And 
the Lions are giving up a lot of points. Oh, they also don't have any kind of defensive coordinator to tell them what to do. And the defense does seems to do whatever they want anyway. So I just don't think he's going to have to throw a lot, limiting his upside. So, yeah, I, I all agree with you. I'm on board for the same reason that we didn't like the Titans passing game last week. And we were wrong, but the Lions' run defense is so atrocious, and they're going to be blown out. So we like the process, super sound there. But the Lions are just so terrible at every aspect on defense and without the coaches. It's a real possibility we see 100 yards and a tug from the five-piece of Evans, Godwin, A.B., Gronk, and Uncle Len. It, it could happen. I just want to say, too, that you, you mentioned that they have no defensive coordinator to tell them whatever. What is the, what's the difference between this week and the whole season? It seems like they haven't been playing a defensive coordinator. I don't know if that's just me. That is a little spicy for me to take Tom Brady, who's inside the top 12, and say he's going to finish outside the top 12, just to Jack's point about the Lions are just so atrocious that, frankly, the, the, there is a first half to the game. You know what I'm saying? Where they will be throwing the ball at that point. And if the Lions give up three touchdowns in the first half, yeah, they can salt it away. But I don't know. I think I'd probably have to go back to the well on Brady. Because if you're saying it's Brady or Baker Mayfield, Jason, that's that's the how about that for a question? Brady or Baker? Well, I just said it. It's know, still going to be Baker. <laughs> Making sure that it's driven home for the audience. Thank you for understanding that there's a, <laughs> people that listen to this. Look, that aren't I, I hate to do it. And I, I promise this won't happen on the positions, but I'm agreeing with the nerd again. Oh, I, my God. Look, in the ECR, Tom Brady is at nine. To be fair, I have Tom Brady at 12. But is it possible that any of the guys I have right behind him creep up and take him out of there? Yes, because he has looked like garbage for a vast majority of the second half of this season. And last week against Atlanta, in a great matchup, they were down 24-7, to and he was throwing from behind in the second half, which we definitely all saw coming. But he still finished his QB 11, and most of that was from the long Antonio Brown touchdown that I'm still bitter about. <laughs> so going up against Detroit, it's another great matchup. But again, to Jack's point, unlike Atlanta, Detroit has an atrocious run defense, and I think they'll be able to abuse them on the ground, unlike what they were able to do last week. So for all the reasons that I like Leonard Fournette, I dislike Tom Brady. I think That's he plays fair. one that half is, of football and then is done. That is fair, because you could easily uh, see that happening. I, I, I agree. I'm not here to disagree, cause dissent. I am just shocked that we have a two-piece of agreement between Steve and the nerd. And so as we move forward into running back, just a reminder that our trust are those RBs who are ranked outside of the top 24 in the ECR. So that's an RB3 or lower that we're trusting in our starting lineups for this weekend. And our buster players that are ranked inside the top 24 that we're expecting to miss expectations could cost you in the ship. Yeah, and so we'll start off with Devin Singletary, over the past three weeks, he's RB24, averaging 8.7 fantasy points per game. This week is a good matchup, as it is a weakness of the Patriots in defending the run game. While I do think Allen tears up the Pats this week to show that he has finally become an elite quarterback, here's to hoping, Singletary will be an active part of that. The Patriots are giving up 27 fantasy points to the running back position, and I really think this game is going to be fun to watch as Allen really emerges. Devin Singletary to me has just been he's such a middling option like he just he's not he's not going to really get you any big points he'll get you you know enough to justify starting him and I wouldn't risk him for the final week but the, if you want to that's your choice because he's, he's just been serviceable and he's been in a timeshare as Zach Moss and that limits his ceiling like I know that if it weren't for that 51 yard touchdown against the Broncos he would have been seven 
carries for 17 yards. That's how he would have ended his day. And Zach Moss had 81 yards on 13 carries. So it's really hard to distinguish who's actually going to be the guy. I think it's pretty much split down the middle. So it's tough. It really is tough. And I know that the Patriots have been uh, a little bit of an easier matchup for the running back, but still not a great matchup, at least from what I think. Yeah. So the other option is probably somebody that I don't know why you're sitting him. And it's Alvin Ahmed. I mean, granted, I get it. Gaskin's Hold back. on. Wait a minute. Hold on one second. Uh-oh. Savan Ahmed. Let's make sure we're hitting that correctly. Savan Ahmed. Carry on. Carry on. <laughs> Both him and Brita have great fantasy matchups last week. I think even with Gaston's backs, Ahmad is able to pummel the Raiders with the run. Raiders give up 28.6 fantasy points to the running back position. His first week back, he was RB11. And Brita was RB37. I think Gaskin and Ahmed are both better and could easily both end up being a top 24 back. Oh, oh, oh Jason planting his flag hard. All right. I, 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 I don't know. Is anyone else just woefully terrified that they're going to play the wrong guy? They're going to play Ahmed. They're going to play Gaskin. And the other is going to go off. Like, I am terrified right now. Normally, I am a high Miles Gaskin guy for sure. And uh, if it wasn't for the last couple of weeks from Savan Ahmed, I definitely would be 100% in on Gaskin. My rankings currently, I have Gaskin at 21 and Ahmed at 30. So I feel like they're going to end up splitting a majority of this work. I feel like a couple these last couple of weeks, especially as they head to what they hope is a playoff berth, they want to see which of these running backs they can lean on. And if it isn't one or the other, if they can use them both as a committee, they're thinking for the playoffs, they're thinking postseason. And then they're thinking long-term for the offseason as well. What is it that they want to do with these guys? So I can't trust either one of them to be a bell cow and get all of the work. Uh, In terms of just to Jason's point, I guess, it would be that Ahmed is the one who's been hot lately. If you continue to ride the hot hand and Gaskin hasn't had a ton of reps recently. But the one game we saw from Gaskin when Ahmed was not playing, he got 21 carries for 90 yards. So... It's not like he was terrible and he has a ton of rust that he's working with. It's a good matchup. I would definitely be willing to play both of them as a flex, but wouldn't trust it any more than that. That's more how I line up with it too. Cause Jack, no, I don't think you're crazy. Uh, I don't know if I can't, I can't be that confident in, in either one of them. And I think they're going to just kind of eat into each other. And then you throw breed in the mix and you're just going to wind up with a really nice number divided by three. So I think they're all breed is not really in flex territory, but the other two Gaskin and Ahmed certainly are. Uh, and then for me, a trust who I have, who's he doesn't meet the the threshold of the 50%, but somebody just outside the top 25 that should be getting more hype than he is, is Giovanni Bernard. In the ECR, he's running back 25 right now. I've got him at RB17. He's had a rough stretch since Joe Burrow got hurt, but so is that entire offense. So, I mean, they've looked completely different since Joe Burrow was out. And now with Ryan Finley, they looked like the team from last season because, oh, hey, you put in the quarterback who actually knows the offense as opposed to Brandon Allen. And hey, it works. Shocker. Oh, who could have seen that coming? But if he can finish as an RB6 against the Steelers' rush defense like he did on Monday, then imagine what he can do against the horrendous Houston Texans defense this weekend. It could easily be another top 10 performance. Giovanni Bernard taking us on the mustache ride. I am all about it. Jason, take us to your bus. 
Yeah, and the first one's Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I must be missing something here because the Chiefs don't really run the ball. I mean, in the two games that they have, both were against tough competition. And, you know, while Ryan looked great last week, I was pretty surprised. Best week that I've seen him in a long time. I think this week he likely struggles unless Julio plays, which is a direct correlation in my mind. But with that in mind, Chiefs have averaged 26 touches to the running back that gained 114 yards and a touchdown. That's likely going to be split because Daryl Williams and Le'Veon Bell are both going to touch the ball. And I just can't trust that with the Falcons giving up 22.6 fantasy points. I just, I can't see Bell really shouldering this load. Yeah, we mentioned this uh, earlier when we were talking about the Tampa Bay game last week is that since the Falcons are so bad through the air, that's likely where the Chiefs are going to go. And then Le'Veon Bell has really done nothing since he's gone to the Chiefs. He's not even relevant anywhere, not even the passing game. He only has three targets as his game high this whole season. And running, like, forget about it. He's, uh, his longest rush is 16 yards. And last week was his best week, technically. And that's because they had to put him in because Edwards Laird got hurt. So, yeah, I wouldn't trust it. I've already been on off Le'Veon Bell for a few weeks now. And if you're still rolling with him, you're probably not playing for the championship. And if you are, then... Man, you have you must have a really stacked team because I don't know how you're getting away with that. I mean, he became widely available in waivers after he went to uh, the Chiefs and did nothing for a few weeks there. So it's possible you picked him up as a waiver ad. It, it's interesting. I have him as a top 20 play still. It's a bad matchup, I understand. But you mentioned it. They get abused through the air. Atlanta does. There is a strong possibility the Chiefs are winning by 30 at halftime. Strong possibility. And then they're just running the entire second half with Le'Veon Bell while Patrick Mahomes sips Gatorade. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, that, that's bullish. basically the way I see it. That's fair. I'm not as bullish as all that. I've got him at 27 because I, but because I agree with you on the general philosophy. I think the time frame might be different. See, I think it's just the fourth quarter, which is why he goes down seven spots. But I agree with everything else. They're going to absolutely air raid them into oblivion by the time we get to the start of that fourth. There's gonna then Holmes is gonna be drinking that red Gatorade. Yeah, but that just doesn't happen with the Chiefs. Some for some reason they refuse to run the ball that much, unless it's literally they did it against the Saints in one week, and that was a tough back and forth. Which I don't. Trust well, me, Neil, I, Neil and I have had this discussion as well. The idea that at this point, because the Steelers choked on Monday, the Chiefs have basically wrapped everything up. They essentially have the one seed. They've already clinched the division. They're not playing for anything. So if they get up big in that game, they're going to sit everybody. They have no reason to risk anyone that matters out there. Le'Veon Bell doesn't matter. Correct. That's a preview to next week's show when we talk about how probably not playing. Yeah. So the next one is a lot easier for me, too, with Mike Davis. And over the past two weeks, he's RB24. Granted, this is saved by a game against the Broncos where he scored two touchdowns. Same time period, going 11 carries for 56 yards. RB5. It's atrocious. He then followed up the next week against the Packers, putting up 14 carries for 59 yards, RB34. So the two TDs really carried him. This is also his toughest matchup as the Washington football team gives up 18 fantasy points to the running back position for the fourth worst matchup for running backs. I have no pushback on Mike Davis, especially because I think I have Christian McCaffrey playing in this one. So. If he actually suits up and plays, then obviously Mike Davis is a bust. And even if he doesn't, then yes, I I 100% agree with you there. Anybody else have any pushback on Mike Davis? Just, no? 
No, no. I think people can't even muster the conversation, frankly. I think everybody's just totally burnt. All right, that's fine. Then I'll just do my bust here real quick. And it's pretty obvious to me, and I don't care. I'm sorry, Jack Earmuffs, because in the ECR, he is currently RB7, and I don't care about the matchup because I have Miles Sanders at running back 26. He is my bust this week, and it is not even close. Look, the Dallas defense is terrible. We all know that. But Miles Sanders in PPR scoring has finished inside the top 30, top 30 just one time in his last five games. And go figure, it was when he got an 82-yard touchdown, 82 of his 115 yards against the Saints in one big play. I know. You've never heard that before. That never happens with Miles Sanders. It's not the only way he's productive each and every week. No, no, definitely not. Yeah, Miles Sanders is just... You know, Steve, that because you've brought this up, that because that because here comes an eighty-yard touchdown, yep, yes. eighty-yard touchdown, now yeah. guaranteed the payload hundred percent, hundred percent, yes, naturally. Yes. And look, the the Eagles' offense has been more efficient with Hertz, and Sanders has been slightly more productive with Hertz in the lineup. But even then, you are one hundred percent relying on that long touchdown if you are playing Miles Sanders, and more than likely, if you've got Miles Sanders, you're not in a title game anyway, so this doesn't matter to you. Toe snap. So that's going to bring us to receivers. Just a quick reminder that our trust at wide receivers are playing players that rank outside the top 36. So that's a wide receiver four or lower in the ECR that we can start this week. And our busts are receivers that are ranked inside the top 36 that are going to miss expectations could cost you a big in this matchup. Yeah. And starting off, it's Kiki QT. Over the past three weeks, he is wide receiver 19. In that time period, he's also averaging 15.3 fantasy points. Cincinnati has done well over the past four weeks, giving up 27.2 fantasy points to the wide receiver position for the third worst matchup. After Chicago took him away last week, he came back against Colts to go five for 53 and touchdown on seven targets. With Watson spreading the ball around, I understand why ECR has him solo, but I think this week he really bounces back. 53 yards and a goal line fumble. You forgot about that. Uh, Don't remind me of that. All right, Mr. Colts fan over there twice, twice in one season. Twice in three weeks, goal line fumbles. It's ugh. I just oh, want to say disgusting. Those two games, and, oh. and I want to see if you agree with me. Were it, it felt like those were exactly the same games. Like they felt yeah, like 100%. the exact same game. Like it was well, back and forth. The, well, it's because it's Romeo Cornell, so it's yeah. the same game script every single game. You just tweak it slightly for whoever the opponent is. That's why he's such a great NFL head coach, <laughs> and he gets so many offers every year. And he keeps staying around in the league with everybody except the Texans. No? Is that not what happens? No? All right. I'm wrong. But look, Jason, I love the Kiki QT call. He's, he's fantastic. Right team, but wrong guy. It's Chad Hansen. Everybody knows it's Chad Hansen. In three games without Fuller, Hansen has 14 receptions on 17 targets for 212 yards and that wide open touchdown last week. He's had 15.1, 12.6, and 13.5 in those three games, the, the flexes do not get more solid and consistent than that. So I love, I love the Kiki shout out, but I'm going with Chad Hansen, a guy you can have for pretty much free and basically every league you play in. Is Chad Hansen your trust for this week? Uh, he's an honorable mention. I see is what I'm I throwing see. in there. Yes. Okay. I just had to throw that in there. Cause he also said Kiki QT. So got, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, but the other option is somebody I like more in CeeDee Lamb. With Cooper getting Slay and Gallup dealing with a hip issue, Slay was out last week due to a concussion. Coming back this week, 
hopefully, Lamar emerged last week and has the opportunity to be a huge threat this week. Dalton will have to move the ball against the Eagles. Lamb caught five of seven balls against the 49ers for 85 yards. I feel like this is a similar game and could be higher if he finds the end zone, which he should. He was the second in targets behind only tolling Pollard last week. Wow. It helps that the Eagles are giving up 46.3 fantasy points to wide receivers. Granted, that's slightly skewed because of the fact they didn't have Slay. I'm so off on Andy Dalton that it makes me downgrade his receivers. Like, I really like CeeDee yeah. Lamb, and I think he's great. But Andy Dalton, if you look at his numbers, he has not been good this year. He hasn't reached, he hasn't been over 300 yards. He only has three touchdowns once, and that was against a Minnesota team that, that their defense has just disappeared on Mike Zimmer. So I and because of that, yeah, I, I downgrade every Cowboys wide receiver and, and and sorry, that's just how it is. But I mean, look for next year when Dak comes back. I'm also in this similarly minded to that. We'll get into it too with the uh the bust segment coming up. But yeah, the this the way that that team is is operating right now with him with him at quarterback, I can't I can't uh I can't co sign it too much with, with that. I would much rather if I'm down in that part of the table. Uh, I would rather like a Rashard Higgins type of situation. Oh, I absolutely love Rashard Higgins, but that should be explained by my Baker Mayfield take. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I mentioned as an honorable mention earlier, Chad Hansen, but my actual trust for this week is Russell Gage back from the dead after we hyped him up all first. What is it? Four or five weeks of the season? Talked about Russell Gage. ECR this week, he is wide receiver 39. I've got him at wide receiver 21. Over the last three weeks, he has been wide receiver 14, averaging 17.2 points per game during that stretch. He has scored a touchdown in three straight games and put up double-digit fantasy points in four of his last five. As I alluded to earlier, there is absolutely no reason for the Falcons to put Julio Jones back out there. Even when Julio Jones has been out there the last couple weeks, Russell Gage is still getting a decent amount of work. And again, you're going up against Kansas City, who I talked about should be blowing them out of the water in this game. They will be chasing points. They will be throwing the ball a ton. Russell Gage should be a solid wide receiver two option for you this week. Even if they're not point chasing, that we saw it last week, they get up early, they throw they throw it a lot, yeah. and then they lose anyways. So no matter what, they have to throw it. Yeah, but with him saying that, now that means that Hayden Hurst is going to be a thing, and that's just unfortunate. Never. It'll never happen. Uh, but f- stop that, Jason. Move on to your bus now. We're not talking about that. <laughs> Perfectly fine. We'll move into my bus. Hey, it's another Dallas wide receiver in Omari Cooper who gets slay and in their last matchup caught one of two targets for five yards. Yeah, Dalton does not tend to force plays and with slay likely playing, I am not able to trust at all Cooper here. So pretty short and sweet for that one. I just mentioned my spiel about the the Cowboys and their wide receivers. But to be fair, that game when they played the Eagles, it was Ben DiNucci and that was just a train wreck from the beginning. But you got to hope that he does better than that. that the nooch. The nooch, exactly. So moving to the next guy, and it's uh, Robbie Anderson going a- up against Darby. I am struggling to trust him to have a big week. More likely gets Fuller, and that leaves Samuel to be the one who really shows up this week. And 
I guess if you really want to stretch for Ian Thomas to try and figure out where the points are going to go, where the receptions are going to go. The Panthers. No, have- I don't. I don't want to stretch Ian Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Completely fine. Just throwing the name out there so people are aware. The Panthers have not looked good on the offensive side of the ball. Samuel is the only wide receiver over the past two games. Laura and Anderson missed the game three weeks ago with COVID to land in the top 36 at wide receiver. And the Washington football team gives up 38.3 fancy points to the wide receiver position. I just, I can't do it. Here's what I would push back on with that. So Robbie Anderson has been pretty consistent this season. I put the stat out uh, for our fantasy Twitter account uh, over the weekend. Robbie Anderson is one of just eight players who has had at least 11 games of double digit fantasy points this season for wide receivers. He's 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 crushing it so far. Been fairly consistent. And the two weeks around thereby, he was wide receiver 13 and wide receiver 19. They they think he is so much their number 1 receiver that last week Green Bay gave him the Jair Alexander treatment. He is the the shutdown corner was on Robbie Anderson, not DJ Moore which is why DJ Moore had such a fantastic day. So yes, they're going up against Washington and it's a tough matchup, but I still believe Robbie Anderson can have a top 20 day and feel pretty good about it. I just want to say too about Robbie Anderson that I've noticed as somebody who owned him in a standard league is that he's getting all these receptions and he's getting a ton of yards, but he only has two touchdowns this year, which I didn't know until looking it up. And that's Isn't that kind of, crazy? Like it is not, crazy. With the Jets, it was all just one or two big plays. With the Panthers, it has been volume. Like mm-hmm. he has been, he has at least five targets in every game this season. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and knowing that makes it very hard for me to want to like <clears throat> looking for other options to get out of Amari Cooper. Hundred percent. Like I think that's a great idea. But even in a bad matchup, Robbie Anderson's been so consistent that I don't see. It's one of those things that we talk about every week on the on the normal Wednesday show. You dance with the one who brung you, and right now, Robbie Anderson's the one who brung you. So even in a in a bad matchup, he's been so good and so consistent. And to the point that was made, it's not touchdown dependent. It's a volume thing. They're going to find ways to get him the ball in this game if they think they're going to win it. And I think they're going to show up and actually try and play this entire game, and they're not going to try and like just play half and phone it in and be done for the year. So I think that's. I'd I'd find it hard to live with myself if I'd been playing Robbie Anderson all year. Decided yeah. to go with something else towards the end. I don't know if I'm going to look myself in the mirror and feel good about that later. And I completely understand that, but at the same point, uh, more than likely you were bounced out last week because Anderson really hurt you. Probably, yeah. If, unless you had another option, yeah, that could yeah, be probably could be fair. The case. Speaking of uh, guys that started hot and have gone ice cold, if you're looking for a bust, my guy Adam, I need a touchdown to matter, Thielen. Ooh. Oh. Well, you don't like uh two receptions for 12 yards, Steve? He is in he's the ECR wide receiver 17. I've got him at 22, which I feel like is way too high. I got to I got to drop him further. But he's got seven total targets over the last 2 weeks. Since their bye, he has 3 games of over 20 and 4 games under 10. The ultimate boom or bust. In a league with no touchdown points, I gave this this stat, this thought experiment to Neil, that if you were in a league where touchdown points do not count for anything, so there's no bonus, it's just receptions, yards, the production you do on the field, 
In a league with no touchdown points, Adam Thielen currently would drop from wide receiver 11 in points per game to wide receiver 32. And every single week, it gets worse and worse and worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. the, Rob, the uh, Robert Woods Cooper Cup uh, yes. thought experiment. Yes, that mm-hmm. was that was that was a good one. Uh, I absolutely love that call because we go go all the way back to the projection. There's only room for one wide receiver in Minnesota. Like we've yep. proved this out, and it ain't Adam Thielen anymore. He's been unseated by Justin Jefferson. It only took what 14 games. And that happened? Yeah, not or, even. I mean, he yeah. took that over right. like at the beginning of the year almost. I mean, yeah, he was he was getting like half the targets and double the yards. It was something ridiculous. He, Justin Jefferson is special. Adam Thielen is good, not great. And with Kirk at quarterback, he doesn't matter. So that's going to bring us to tight end where our trust our players outside the top 12 at tight end because tight end is so thin, rostered in under 50% of leagues that we like this week. And our buster players that are ranked inside the top 12 of the fantasy pros ECR that we believe will miss expectations. Yeah. And I'm frustrated because ECR has finally caught up and realized that Logan Thomas is a thing. So I can't use him anymore. So upsetting. So we'll move on to the guy that I have in Dawson Knox. He is granted going up against new England who give the fewest points to tight end. However, he has scored in two of the past three weeks. He's tied in 11 in that time frame. And I think that, you know, Allen really tries to take advantage and show that he is elite this week. So I'm pumped for him. We'll see if he actually gets in the end zone. And I'm hoping that this game is just a blowout for the Bills. Go Bills Mafia. A couple fun facts for you, Jason. I am not surprised by this at all. So for starters, Dawson Knox, he went to Ole Miss with DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. Unsurprisingly, that means he's a freak athlete 86th percentile 40 yard dash among tight ends and his best per- comparable player on player profiler Blake. Jarwin. So, of course, you're a fan, Jason. Of course. Blake Jarwin. I am so pumped. We haven't talked about him in a couple weeks. I'm very happy with that. Good stat, Jack. I said this once. I said before. It's, you know, it, it only Jason would be talking about Blake Jarwin in week 16 when he was out. <laughs> when he hasn't one. played since week one. Yeah. <laughs> you're just wrong. It's okay because you saw how good Dalton Schultz has been with the random assortment of quarterbacks, even. So, the next guy that I'm going to trust is Tyler. Higby, I know, uh, it's iffy, but the past two weeks, the Rams have actually done similar to what they did last year and have moved to more to tight end sets. This means that Higby is on the field more and which attributes directly to Higby having huge weeks, the same weeks that happened last year. It's driving me insane. So this week, he has another good matchup against the Seahawks. Fifth best matchup, giving up 17.1 to the tight end position. I am pumped for it. Uh, my trust that I'm going to go with for tight end is Irv Smith because it's tight end. So throw a dart. Woo! Yeah, guess, guess the touchdown and you win. <laughs> so I'm going with one of the Vikings Irv tight ends Smith. is going to score. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's it. That's and we knew that it wouldn't be. Uh, it wouldn't be we knew he wouldn't talk about Aikens there as far as Steve's trust. It'll no, never, it'll never. No, be it, it was tough. It was between Irv Smith or Dan Arnold. Ooh, I like Arnold too. We can't like throw shade at Arnold. Oh, I like Dan Arnold too. It was, it was one or the other. So, like I Fair said, enough. it's tight end. Throw a dart. <laughs> it's a dart every week. All right, Jason, take us to your bus. We know it won't be Hayden Hurst. Yeah, there you go. No, the bus is actually Dallas Goddard. Over the past three weeks, he's tight end 17. And that's with Hurts at quarterback. The inaccuracies of the rookie quarterback has me worried. While Goddard has seen the most targets, catching four of eight 
439 yards against the Cardinals last week. The six targets against the Saints, he caught four for 43. Ugh, he is the most targeted pass catching option, but the catch percentage is just not good. I don't know if it's the inaccuracy of Hurt, but he just, I'm assuming it's going to be a growing transition for him. Same point, Dallas has actually been one of the worst matchups, allowing 8.9 fancy points to the tight end position. So I, I can't trust Goddard this week. This was the same argument I had, but for Zach Ertz. And obviously Goddard has kind of you know taken over the tight end one position for the Eagles. But if you look at Goddard's last six games, and I know, or yeah, last six games, I know some of that was with Wentz. He hasn't scored under seven points. And I mean... And that's PPR. And if that's a decent score, if you're looking for, you know, just anything from your tight end position. So I still think he's playable. And I know that Jalen Hurts hasn't helped his his cause at all, but he's still finding enough yard, enough targets and enough yards to justify a start. So I was going to have my my bust at the end and mention it there, but th- mine is also Dallas Goddard. So I will bookend our trust or bust segment with a green with the nerd, which is just disgusting. But wow. I will, I will do it. It's fine. Welcome to 2020 exactly. friends. But uh fun fact, you this is mentioned the worst ever. You mentioned Jordan uh, that he has at least seven points, which is fine and consistent. And if you just look at the numbers and you just read fantasy Twitter and listen to podcasts, you would assume that, Dallas Goddard is having a pretty good season based on everything that has happened. But Dallas Goddard has been inside the top 20 in PPR scoring twice the entire season, just twice week three against Cincinnati when he finished sixth and week one against Washington when he finished 15th. That's it. Every other week he has been 20th or worse when it's all said and done including the last two weeks with Hurst when, like Jason said, he has 14 total targets, but has only gotten four receptions for about 40 yards in each of those games. Zacherts coming back has just muddied it all up. And even worse, unlike when Wentz was in there, whenever they get into the red zone, they are running basically nothing but option. And Jalen Hurts is finding any way he can to scramble for the touchdown as opposed to Carson Wentz, who was checking down to his baby blanket tight ends, looking for them to try to get out of pressure. So I am staying far away from all of the Philly tight ends until at least next season. Yeah, so we'll move on to the next bus, which I have. It's Johnny Smith. I'm really upset You're about fired. this. I can't help it. I'm so sorry, but since coming back... Cut his mic! Cut <laughs> <laughs> Jason, your mic cut? No, not at all. Am I still not here? Can't hear you. No. Hello. Still can't hear you. All right, go ahead. It's fine. All Whatever. right, go, just go. hear him out. It's all right. Fine, fine. We'll we'll allow it. We'll fine. Allow it. Okay. Since you're coming on probate. Back... You're on probation, though. Whatever. Ah. All right. <laughs> so since coming back from his knee injury, he's tied in 22. He seemed to catch stride last week against the poor Lions defense. However, it resulted in him catching all five of his targets for 52 yards. 10.2 fantasy points. I just don't think he will need to be used as the main target continues to be AJ Brown or Corey Davis, which I'm disgusted by, but it's a truth. Both having more targets in the two games that he's been back, I just don't think that changes this week because they don't need to, and Derrick Henry is still going to plow over people, so why bother with Jonu Smith? Look, Jonu has not been good in this offense, 
which we have not 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 been thrilled with, but it is what it is. And I'm just so excited for him to hit free agency and go to a team that actually cares about him and understands who he is as a person and appreciates what they have in John U. Smith. He's talking about Houston. I am. I really am. Goodbye, I'm Jordan Aiken. Yeah, Make it the happen. <laughs> no, the first four weeks of the season, John U. Smith finished in the top 10 every single week. Now, his last four games... Well, let's call it five. His last five games, four of the five games, he's been inside the top 13. But yeah, this is, it's a bad matchup against Green Bay. He's not being targeted as much as he absolutely should be. So I have him at 12. I could absolutely see a scenario where he finishes at 14, 15, something like that. Yeah, I also have him at 12 as much as I love Johnny Smith because there's every chance he either scrambles into the end zone on a one-yard plunge for you or catches like a one or two-yard bunny touchdown, but he's not getting that that sweet work he was getting before over the middle of the field, trying to run wild since he's come back from the injury. And I don't know if it's because he's limited still from that, or if it's because the scheme has evolved away from him exactly, or what exactly the disconnect is. But I too welcome a day when John Smith will be catching, catching the other side of of Deshaun. Oh, what happy, what a happy moment that would be. I just can't believe it, it's come to this. We're after a summer full of Jonu praise. We're really going to go out. On sit, Jonu Smith. I can't believe it. I am yeah, shocked. You probably picked up Logan Thomas, and I'd say you got to play him. Yeah, I, I agree. You're not wrong. It's just a sad state of affairs. But that is going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast, Week 16 Preview Edition. What a wild ride we've been on throughout the fantasy football season. It's now or never. It's do or die. So, Steve, let the people know where they can find you. And can I get your you out on your hot shot hot take call for the fantasy football championship well i mean i don't have any hot takes or anything yet i'm working on it still it's still early in the week really um but no you can find me everywhere at nonsense underscore steve you can find us back here on the uh, podcast next week with jack again hot take time machine week 17 it all boiled down to to this, so we'll see how we actually did. I know we missed a, a bunch, but we hit on a lot of things, so we'll see what happens. I, I cannot wait. And, of course, we will be joined by Neil on Hot Take Time Machine next week. So, Neil, with everything on the line, where can people go to find you, and what's your off-the-wall shot call for Week 16? All I have to say is thank God the Taste of McHill experiment is over, and uh, uh, it's been what a dark chapter of 2020 that that was and uh we can get back to to drew Brees throwing the football for the saints and i don't know what do you think 2021 will be we'll deal with that problem when we get there i'm just i'm just gonna live in the moment here where everything is all right still and then next season's not gonna be fun for anybody involved with any of that but you can find me at nonsense underscore neil uh i don't really have like a like a true hot take for you other than uh then seriously consider Richard Higgins as a flex. I guess that would qualify as a hot take. That's a that that's a still very hot take. That's a little um, bit. I seriously think about it because it's it's a uh, it's he's just been he's been really good the last couple of weeks and uh, uh, Jarvis can't do literally everything for them although he tried last week. But uh, good luck in your championships and catch us for hot take time machine. I'm interested to see as well where the results come out on that. Although I. Uh, looking into my crystal ball, I'm not excited to talk about Mark Ingram. I can say that. 
So the master of the trust or bust has helped us for 15 weeks, now 16, and now we need his help more than ever. So Jason, where can the people find you and what do the people need to know before their life is altered forever by the fantasy football championship? Yeah. I mean, literally you can find me pretty much everywhere at that FF nerd, that FF nerd. Yeah. There's two of them there. Okay. But I mean, I'm just pumped because I got Stefan Diggs right. And so you have to play him. And I hope that Alan just beats up on Bill and gets his revenge and shows that he's elite. That is my hot take for the week because I absolutely love him this week. And the last and certainly not least, we cannot forget the breakout star of the important nonsense Friday show, Jordan McDonald. So what fire take do you have to leave the people with? So a little bit of uh, behind the curtains. I know I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I was the ghost of fantasy football past. It's actually fantasy football future. I do have a team in the finals. And guess who's on that team? Miles Sanders. He's going to go off this week. I don't care what anybody says. He's going to have a great week. And I'm, I'm anybody. <laughs> I've been hoping for the best because, you know, I just have no faith in Dallas. And I also have Alan on Monday night, Jason. So I'm with you. I hope I hope he uh, torches Bill and. He uh, shows the world that uh, he's one of the best quarterbacks. Nom, nom, nom. Once again, I've been your host at Javanaugh 87, Jack Kavanaugh, and 16 weeks of previews have come to an end. What a wild ride. What a wild season. You followed it along on Important Nonsense Podcast, on ImportantNonsense.com, and on all the socials at NonsenseFF all season long. Thanks, so thank you for joining in. You can tune in Sunday for the Fantasy Football Championship recap show starring myself, at the real NWB, New Wallace Bruce, and at Fantasy PhD, Dr. John Chancy. So until then, be kind to yourself because you deserve it. Wear a mask, happy holidays, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!